the good. Genesis 1.31 tells us, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, I know some of you have different views on creation, and I've told you before, that's okay. You don't have to align with all my views. But here's what I know. God looks, sees it, and says, that's good. And he looks at everything he made and sees that it's good. And he looked at human beings and knew who they were and knew what they were going to do and knew what they were going to be like. And he still looks at you and says, you are good. He doesn't say you're perfect. He doesn't say you're sinless. He looks at humanity and he looks at his creation and goes, that's good. At the same time, we are a people who have done things wrong. If I asked you to just be honest, have you ever sinned? Which means, have you ever done something wrong? How many of you would say yes? About half of you, good. The other half we need to work on our theology. But the reality is, you've sinned, you are broken, but you are not bad. He still looks at you, and he has such a deep and abiding love for you as an individual person, that he looks and he says, I want to be in relationship with you, and here's how we do that. You do that because I'm going to create a sacrifice because it's got to be a once for all because there has to be a blood sacrifice in order for you to be restored in right relationship with the God creator of the universe. So he sends his son to die so that you have opportunity to be in relationship with him. Now because he does this, We live in a broken world because of that sin. And from the very beginning, God chose to create somebody, a being that would choose to worship him. It tells us he already had the angels who all they do is cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they fall down on their face before him. And as soon as they rise in his presence, they see him and they do it again. And he goes, that's great. I created a being that worships me. Now I want to create a being that can choose me. So he gives us free will, and as soon as he gives us free will, almost immediately, sin comes into the world. And because sin came into the world, he had to create a plan. He was never at a loss, he was never confused, and he knew what we would do. Genesis 1.1 tells us, from the very beginning, the earth was without form and void. And I don't know if you've ever caught this, but I'm going to turn back two pages and read it. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, that's verse 2. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. For those of you who are non-Trinitarians, let me tell you right now, God is saying this to someone. The very idea of God speaking means he's speaking to someone else. He's speaking to, he is God the Father, he's speaking to the Son, and he's speaking to the Holy Spirit. And now is when we're really going to probably have people go, wait, no, that's against my theology. And I've told you before, that's okay. We don't have to agree on every point. But what I'm saying is, from the very beginning, God had a plan. He was not at a loss when man sinned. However, because man sinned, that broke down the covenant that God created in us and with him. And then once that covenant is broken down, and sin is in the world, and we have brokenness, then suddenly disease and sickness and everything else enters into the world. Did you know, I just, I actually had to Google search this, but about 44% of the world's diseases are caused basically because of human, because of what we do as people. 44% are not just natural. Cancer is more natural. However, cancer can also be caused by actions you take. Okay, but just 
regular, just straight out diseases, 44%. Did you know that seven of the 10 leading causes of death for people in America now are basically lifestyle choices they've made? Seven of the 10 leading causes. We overeat, we overdrink, we oversmoke, we over this, we over that, we don't exercise. All of these things lead to our brokenness and our bodies decaying faster than they would have to. Now, I'm not saying you can be immortal if you'll just live right. There's an episode of uh, Parks and Rec where this guy named Chris Traeger says, they say the first human being that's going to live to be 150 has already been born. I believe I am that human being. And he's this guy who's obsessed with exercise and everything else. And then he gets the common cold and it puts him down for weeks and he can't figure out what happened. But see, the thing is, you can't stop your death. But we're not meant to live broken in this life either. We're not meant to live in broken relationship. We're not meant to live in broken relationship between one another or between us and God. We're meant to live a whole and fulfilled life here on earth. Jesus oftentimes talks about how he desires for the best for his people. And that's not just about how much wealth can I get. That's about living a life that is full of the Holy Spirit, full of joy, full of his presence and his peace. And that's what he's offering to you. And that is a beautiful thing, my friends, because that is better than just being healthy. God desires more than just soul care. Psalm 103, 1 through 3 tells us this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's the psalmist telling us what to do. And then this, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. It's linked together. All your sins are forgiven and your wholeness. He cares about your body. He cares about the inside and the outside. He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. They go hand in hand to God. It's not a one or the other. I love the story of when Jesus is walking and they don't like the fact that Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And he looks and he says, which is easier, to heal this man or say your sins are forgiven? Because I can do both. Your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk. And I love how he says that in the face of the religious who don't like what he's doing. But then suddenly, if you're the one that's broken, you don't care what day of the week he's healing you. If you're the one that's sick, I don't care if it's Sunday, Monday. I don't care when it is. I want wholeness and wellness. And the guy sitting by that pool, he doesn't care that Jesus is healing him on the Sabbath. He wants to be whole. But Jesus looks and he cares about his spiritual condition. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now rise up, take your bed and walk. When the people are telling you that this isn't right, that God only cares about our soul, he doesn't care about our body, over and over and over, Jesus has shown that is not true. He cares about the, the eternal and he cares about the temporal. He desires for his people to choose him, and he offers both forgiveness and healing. What a promise we have. But I've heard people say, God doesn't really care about what happens in this world. He only cares about winning souls, and that's not true. God cares that there is beauty around us, or he wouldn't have created everything different. You know why we have... The earth has different environments, whether you knew that or not. Some of you are like, what? 
but you've got desert, you've got forest, you've got ice caps, you've got ocean, you've got different environments, and God created it with the idea that there would be beauty and beauty to be found in that. If we're supposed to experience healing, should we skip seeing doctors? No. <laughs> no. Pray for healing, but trust and allow doctor, uh, doctors to have the wisdom for what you need. Proverbs 2, 6-8 tells us this. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the pathways of justice and, prefer, and preserves the ways of his saints. I often tell people, pray for healing, but see a doctor and do what they're telling you to do. Is that lack of faith? No, that's trusting that God has given them wisdom. I know you look at me and think, I am the all-knowing beacon of all things. It's not true. Thank you for the admiration. But there are people out there that know more than me, that have studied more than me, and have learned things different than I have. And what they want and what they desire is for you to be sound mentally, emotionally, physically, and some of them even spiritually. What I desire is for you to have a life that's whole and full of the goodness of who God is. So then, what about people that are not sealed? Are they, did they sin? Have they done something to block what happened? Jesus addresses this when they say, who sinned? This man's been um, born with a birth defect. Who sinned, his parents, or did he sin? It's not about who sinned. But it's about whether or not they're going to be healed and whether or not we're going to experience faith. Are they being punished by not being healed? No. God is not a punitive God. We have this idea sometimes that says, God's just waiting to get you. I can't tell you how many people, most of which are not actually associated with the church, they have this idea that God is waiting to strike them down like some little cartoon character just standing there waiting to get them, and the devil's over here, and he's waiting to get them, and they're in this world trap where there's two different powers waiting to get them. And that's so sad to me, because God's looking and saying, I want you to have life, and I want you to have it abundantly. I have come that you may have joy, and that your joy may be what? Be full. This, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I could go on. There's nine of them. But he gives these to us because he wants us to be filled with and marked by his Spirit. Because the things he wants us to have are good and positive and right. And yet we hold on to this idea that God's just waiting to get me. As soon as I do something bad, that is not God at all. Are there natural consequences for our action? Yes. There are. If I do certain things, will my body suffer? Yes, it will. I've told you before, every fall, I get on my diet kick, and I start in, in like August or September, I start, and my first few days, I'm doing about half a block, and then doing this, and then I build up, and now I'm at, somebody asked me, how many miles are you doing today? And I say, I'm between four and six, and my biggest day since September, or since August, was eight. I did eight miles one day. My knees were hurting the next day. My feet were hurting the next day. But I'm moving the body. Why do I move the body? Because I want to be in good health. I want to be where I'm not bringing things on myself. At the same time, I could get an illness tomorrow. I've had two bouts with cancer. I've had this thing that I've experienced. I had to be on these pills that I hated because I've always had the glorious hair. And then I started to lose it in clumps. That's right, this glorious hair. 
started just coming out. There were all these side effects. One of them was like weight loss. And I was like, good, I won't even have to work as hard. It's the one I didn't get. (laughs) But I'm doing things to try to take care of myself. And yet I'm trusting God fully and completely because he is the one that's going to make me whole. Now, even in that wholeness, there are people who say, well, if God still heals, why do people die today? Jesus heals Lazarus. Lazarus literally comes out of the tomb. But Lazarus isn't still among us. Lazarus dies again. We see heroes of the faith, and it talks about how some of them, heroes of the faith, people that followed God. I've read this chapter many times because it's one of my favorite in the Bible, but it's Hebrews, and it's the chapter where it lists all the heroes of the faith in chapter 11, and then it talks about people being sawn in half, being, people being drawn and quartered, people being executed. Why? Because of their faith. I love to read about Abraham, and I love to read about David, but I know the reality is a lot of us are going to experience death, pretty much all of us, it's almost 100%, and we're going to experience that, and that's what our life is going to be. So it doesn't mean that God doesn't heal just because you're not immortal. You will still die, but God doesn't necessarily need us to walk around in a broken state in this broken world. So, are people still healed today? That's where I get to after I cover some of the misconceptions or the wrong ideas. Are people still healed today? There are books full of stories of people being healed. Amy Simple McPherson, the founder of Foursquare, built her entire ministry around leading people to spiritual and physical healing. She would talk all the time about it's great that she was this faith minister that healed people, but she said, if we're not addressing their spiritual side then it's meaningless. But she also said, if all I'm doing is preaching a great word and they're coming to the Lord, but they're still living a broken life as humans, it's meaningless. Meaningless. Because she understands eternity goes on, but God desires relationship with you today. I've told you before, our relationship with God cannot be about whether or not I'm going to go to heaven or hell when I die. If so, it becomes this competition, how good can I be? But what it really is supposed to be about is us having a relationship and having an experience with who God is in this lifetime. It's not just about how do I get out of hell, but it's how can I live a life that is full of who God is in this life and in this existence? And can I know him? And see, the beauty of the scriptures, it says you can know him. You can have relationship with him. You can be connected with him. You don't have to be alone but we have to choose to do that. So are people still healed today? Absolutely. So here's my story of praying for someone and having them healed. And I was um, 16, 17, I think I was 17, maybe 18. And we were on a hiking trip. One of our guys fell and broke his ankle. It was full broke. You could see it was broken. It was nasty. We're a couple miles into this trip and we're trying to figure out how we're going to get him out. And my youth pastor we're kind of sitting around. I remember sitting on a rock, just sitting by myself going, well, this is a bummer. Hurry up. Let's decide something so we can go because I'm not really concerned with other people at age 18, much the way I am now at times. I'm like, come on, Jeff, think about others. But I'm sitting there upset that my hike has basically been ruined by somebody who trips and sitting by myself and they're all gathered around praying. And my youth pastor says, don't you want to come and pray for him? And I said, not really. Because I was brutally honest with him. We had a great relationship, but I was like, not really. And he's like, I'm not going to make you, but I don't want you to miss out on the miraculous. I'm like, 
whatever. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll pray for him. Everybody else kind of makes room for me, and they walk over, and I put my hand on his ankle, and I was like, God, I guess you can heal him if you want. And literally, for the only time that I can ever say this happened in my life, and it freaked me out so bad, I literally experienced his ankle going back into place. And he said, my ankle's really hot, and then he stood up. And to this day, I saw this guy like three years ago, or two years ago, at a conference. And it was the first thing, he was like, remember when you prayed for my ankle? I was like, trippy, huh? He's like, yeah. Still, he's like, the only time I ever experienced that. And I was like, yeah, me too. At the moment, I was like, oh, these are the hands. Who's next? Line up, people. That's how I was feeling at the time. I prayed for many other people to be healed. And I remember praying for somebody, and they came forward because they had a spine injury, actually. And they walked with a bad limp, and I prayed for them, and they weren't healed, and I, it was almost like I didn't really expect them to. And I'm praying for them, and it was a high school kid, and the next day, the dad calls and says, calls me and says, hey, what happened? And I'm telling him, because my daughter says she's healed, and I was like, well, she's still limping, and she still has this, you know, uneven legs and everything else. He goes, no. No, she told me that's not why she even came forward. She said, you didn't ask why she came forward. He said, she's been struggling with such severe anxiety. She's been throwing up and not sleeping. Last night was the first night she slept through the night in two years. Since she got into high school, because of her physical side, she's been throwing up and hasn't slept and sleeps for an hour or two and wakes up almost with night tears. And we've seen psychologists. We've got her at a psychiatrist. And she slept. She came home, told me she was healed, and slept through the night. And that scared me because, again, do I have the gift? But it also scared me because it showed my callousness. I'd like to say this was when I was young and, you know, I was 19. I was a youth pastor and had been for probably 12 years at that point. And it scared me because I thought, how can I be so callous when people are coming to me and saying they need prayer to not even say, what's going on in your life? Because it is easier for me to just throw out a prayer and walk on by or does it take something for me to stand there and engage with somebody? Because if I stand there and engage with somebody and they're healed, that makes me vulnerable and scares me. And so what we do a lot of times is we do this surface level prayer because we don't want people in pain. We don't want people hurting. But we also don't want to jump down in the pit with them where they're in pain and where they're hurting. And God's looking at you and saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to walk in the trench with somebody. I told you before, one of the reasons people don't like to pray for people is because they don't experience healing. But I said a few years back, About 10 years ago, I decided whether somebody's healed or not. I may pray for them until they die. And if they die, I'm going to step over the dead body and pray for the next person to ask me for prayer. And somebody got mad and offended that I said that a couple years ago when I was doing a message. And I said, first off, "Eh, I don't care. I meant it. But second off, I'm not going to decide not to pray for people because somebody I pray for might die. I'm going to pray for people because I know it's not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit working through me. But it's about God. And it's about the other people that are broken around us. And am I willing to put myself out there and be seen as, well, that guy doesn't have the gift. 
That guy can't do anything. But you know what? That guy, this guy, is still willing to pray, even if nothing happens. And what I need is a church full of people who are wanting to come and be prayed for, and who are wanting to come and pray for others, not because it makes me feel good, not because it's a box I get to check. I don't even get a box for that. They should put that on my monthly report. They don't. But I need that because I need to see us impacting our world and our community, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. And I believe he wants to use us to heal people today. I don't believe he looks and sees this broken world and goes, well, I don't know what to do. God, creator of the universe, can and will heal today. Is it going to happen every time? No. Is it going to happen through us? Maybe. I think Alexa wants me to continue preaching louder. It feels like today, healing is sometimes so rare that we don't see it. And since we don't see it, it must not be real. But I'm here to tell you, stop being the one looking with your eyes. Because I knew that this girl that I had prayed for wasn't healed. And yet I get a call the next day from her dad saying, What did you say? What did you do? Really, he thought I just said something to give her confidence in herself. Years later, literally it's been years, she still doesn't struggle with the anxiety. She still doesn't struggle with being sick. I wish, I wish that her spine had been healed and that she walked without a limp and that everything was good. But you know what she would tell you? I'm just glad that mentally and emotionally I'm strong and that I'm connected with God. Well, stop saying stuff like that. You make me feel bad for not getting what I want. But see, we are going to be a church who prays. And we're going to be, if if I have one person willing to come up to be prayed for, we're going to do it. Because I believe that God wants to heal people today. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I want to see marriages that are a mess be healed. Does it take work? Yes. But I want us to be praying for it, and then I want people to go and do the work. Just like I believe we're going to see people healed physically, that doesn't mean I'm going to tell people not to go to a doctor. I'm going to tell them, go see your doctor and follow what they said. And if they tell you, oh, you could lose a few pounds, then lose a few pounds. If they tell you to do this a little less or this a little more, then start doing it. But let's also know that the God of miracles is still working today and he wants to work in you and he wants to work in me. And that's what he's asking for is the opportunity for his people. And you say, I don't know if I have enough faith. I told you last week, there's passages in the Bible that literally say people without faith were healed. Why? Because Jesus is bigger than you and me. Jesus is bigger than our ability to believe it. God, thank you for this day and thank you for the fact that you do still heal. Lead us and guide us and direct us and let us know and believe and let us walk in that. In your name, amen. Next week, I'm going to continue our series on healing and um, I hope that you'll join me. It's not about what I do, but it's about who he is. Today is Communion Sunday and I always invite everybody to partake. We have an open table, which simply means this. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to have signed up 
ahead of time to take. I invite everybody that's in this room because people have taken a scripture out of context that say, well, if I didn't do this, then I can't take. And, and that's one passage of scripture and they've taken it out of context when Paul was talking to one specific group. What Jesus says is, as often as you do it, do it how? In remembrance of me. So he doesn't say you got to do it every day. You got to do it once a month. You got to do it on high holy holidays. You gotta... He just says, however often you do it, do it in remembrance of me. If you're a person who recognizes that you're a sinner in desperate need of something, then I invite you to come. Because we have a God, whether you know his name, whether you know Jesus, whether you know any of that, we have a God who looks and cares about redemption. And you are invited and encouraged to come and participate and take with us. We're going to have three lines, kind of one down each side and one down the middle aisle. If you need to be gluten-free, come to the middle aisle. If you cannot come forward for any reason, whether it's physical, you say, Jeff, I'm not able to, emotional, spiritual, you go, I can't. Jeff, you don't know how bad I am as a sinner. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'm the best sinner I know. Man, I'm good at it. And aside from God's grace, I'd probably be out sinning right now. I am a sinner, but because of God's grace, I have a hope. And if you feel like you can't come forward, Tracy's going to come and meet you right at your seat and serve you there. And then she'll be in the middle with the gluten-free after that. And so I invite each of you to come and take. They'll dismiss from the back to the front. Come forward, break a piece off. Dip it in the cup. And then just make your way back to your seat. Go ahead and send the people. If you need Tracy to come and serve you, would you just raise your hand right now so she can see? Otherwise, I don't care. Somebody start coming forward.
become so easy to just want to be another thing we do. My heart and my passion is always that it's something we are. That we don't do it because we have to or because it gives us salvation or anything else. We do it because we want to take that time to remember who God is. The sacrifice that he made for you and for me. He doesn't want us living. We live in a broken world. He doesn't want us living broken. He wants us whole and well so that we can reach a lost and dying world that's all around us. Let's be a people who take that out to our jobs this week, to our homes this week, to our neighborhoods this week. Let's be a people who love people so well and that our passion is to show them the truth of the healing he provides. If you'd like prayer today, we have our some members of our prayer team on both sides of the platform right now. And I just want to invite you to come and be prayed for. Physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, whatever healing you need in your body, whatever's going on in your life right now. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a friend or maybe you're struggling to get the bills paid. God cares. And I want to invite you, encourage you, and welcome you to come and be prayed for. You don't have to wait. They're just going to continue to play. I'm going to close in prayer. Most of the people are going to leave, but don't leave if you need prayer today. Father God, I thank you for the congregation gathering place. I thank you for everybody who is part of us, from the young to the old, to those who are here today and to those who are away today. God, for those who are in need of your touch and those who are just doing incredibly well and just want to share your presence with others. Lord, be with each of us. Let us know you and show you to the lost and dying world we live in. In your name, amen. We'll see you next week.